Good morning and uh, welcome. Welcome on this uh, beautiful Mother's Day. I hope everybody has a great Mother's Day, not just mothers, but everybody. Everybody have a great day because if you're having a great day, that means you probably treated mom right, right? Uh, but uh, let's uh, worship our Lord this day as we come together to, uh, to worship God and come together to, uh, to lift up this beautiful day of giving praise to our Lord. So I'm going to invite you to stand if you would and uh, join me in our call to worship. The risen Christ lives among us, calling us to be a blessing. Calling us to heal and transform the brokenness and the violence of our world. The risen Christ lives among us, calling us to be a blessing. Calling us to seek out the lonely and the lost and those who need to experience God's love. The risen Christ lives among us, calling us to be a blessing. Calling us to be disciples to the world, blessed, healed, and filled with joyous good news. Amen. Let's sing together.
amen. Let's bow our hearts together and lift our voices as one. Um, actually, there should be an invocation prayer there. There we go. Let's uh, bow our hearts and lift our voices together. Mighty God, with grateful hearts, we welcome you on this second Sunday of Easter, joyously repeating the ancient Christian greeting, Christ is risen, he is risen indeed. Accept now, we pray, our homage for the forgiveness and the promise of newness in this life and beyond which your amazing grace you extend to us through him. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. As we share in our, our pegs, uh, pray, engage, give, and serve, I want to invite you to uh, pray for our congregation um, in this time of uh, transition. There are a number of things that are happening in, in addition to uh, pastoral transitions, but also next week, next Sunday, after this service, there will be an important, what we call a church conference meeting, where uh, the church comes together to make a major decision. Our leadership is making a recommendation on properties, and uh, the only way to engage that and to do that is with a church conference by our United Methodist Guidelines and Discipline. And so I um, want to encourage you to come and participate in that following this worship service uh, next Sunday. There's also a great way coming up next weekend for you to engage in ministry into our community, and that is through our Habitat for Humanity Workday. There's information in the entry area and even a sign-up. Of course, you can always call the church office and find out information about doing a Habitat project next Saturday. A team is going on a Habitat location here in the area to spend a day working and helping to rebuild a home. So I hope that you'll take an opportunity to, uh, to be a part of that, of, of building and working on a home is, is your kind of thing that gets your engine running for, for serving Christ. This is a great way and a great opportunity to, to do that. I want to encourage you also to continue your giving. If you're here on site, you know, there are offering plates there available for you, but everybody here and those engaging with us digitally can uh, give online also. Uh, <clears throat> thank you. Let's, uh, let's continue in a, as our choir leads us in song.
beautiful way to worship this morning, right? My name is Pastor Lisa. If you'll bow your heads with me for our morning prayer. Father, we come before you this morning with the usual array of mixed emotions that Mother's Day can bring. We ask you to bless those women in our lives who have provided us with love and support, whether or not they gave birth to us. For those caring women who have sacrificed so we could have more, and who have shown us their unhampered devotion. We ask that you help us to forgive those mothers who, for whatever reason, could not be our loving caregiver. We ask you to comfort those who have lost their mothers or their children and feel that deep sorrow, especially on this day. We ask also, Lord, that you show compassion to those women who have desperately wanted to become mothers and are unable. Your word tells us that you long to gather us to you as a mother hen gathers her chicks under her wings. So finally, Lord, we ask that you help us to lean into that image today and relish the idea that you will hold us, protect us, and provide for us. Let us praise you and worship you this morning, fully abandoning any emotions that might stand in our way. We pray now as your son taught us to. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Stand and sing together.
may be seated. The scripture today is a, uh, a beautiful story from Luke, one of my uh, uh, favorite stories. It's one of those stories of uh, Jesus traveling with people and teaching. It seems like his whole life he was doing that. But this is one of those stories, this is a story of Jesus doing that traveling and teaching um, after his resurrection. This happens the, after his resurrection. So here from the Gospel of Luke, on that same day, on that same day, Two disciples were traveling to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. While they were discussing these things, Jesus himself arrived and joined them on their journey. They were prevented from recognizing him. He said to them, what are you talking about as you walk along? They stop, their faces downcast. The one named Cleopas <coughs> replied, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who is unaware of the things that have taken place there over the last few days? He said to them, What things? They said to him, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, because of his powerful deeds and words, he was recognized by God and all the people as a prophet. But our chief priests and our leaders handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped. We had hoped he was the one who would redeem Israel. All these things happened three days ago. But there's more. Some women from our group have left us stunned. They went to the tomb early this morning. They didn't find his body. They came to us saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who told them he is alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb, found the things just as the women had said. They didn't see him. Then Jesus said to them, You foolish people, you, you dull, your dull minds keep you from believing what the prophets talked about. Wasn't it necessary? Wasn't it necessary for the Christ to, to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then he interpreted for them the things written about himself in all the scriptures starting with Moses and going through all the prophets. When they came to Emmaus, he acted as if he was going on ahead. But they urged him, they urged him, saying, Stay with us! Stay! It's, it's almost evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. After he took his seat at the table with them, he took the bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, but he disappeared from their sight. They said to each other, weren't our hearts on fire when he spoke to us along the road and when he explained the scriptures to, for us? They got up right then and returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and their companions gathered together. 
They were saying to each other, the Lord really has risen. He appeared to Simon. Then the two disciples described what had happened along the road and how Jesus was made known to them as he broke the bread. Amen. Amen. Most gracious and holy God, may this Easter story become part of your revelation to us in our everyday, common, ordinary lives. Amen and amen. So this is the Easter season. This is part of the Sundays of Easter as we go along and, uh, and share. Uh, Easter's not just that one day. It's this season, and it moves us up to uh, the Pentecost, but it's the season of looking at those stories when Jesus appeared to his disciples, when he uh, appeared to Simon, when he uh, appears to them while they're fishing on a seashore, when he uh, shows up in their, in their room and says, hey, Thomas, touch me here. And, and then there's this story, this story of, of Jesus walking and journeying and traveling with his uh, disciples, walking along life's journey. What a great image of the risen Christ that the Christ walks with us along our journey. And here we have two of those followers journeying, leaving Jerusalem, probably running from their pain and their anguish, their grief over what has happened. But as they're leaving Jerusalem, this isn't some lonely road. It's the road north out of Jerusalem. Passover is, is done. The week of Passover is over, so the crowds that had traveled to Jerusalem for Passover are now all leaving Passover. So the roads are filled with travelers, people going, and of course, in their social media of word of mouth, everybody's talking about the big news, how the crowds forced something to happen, and this was going on, and there was a crucifixion, and they had to take them off the cross before the, the Sabbath started, and you know all of this news and all of this going on, I mean, this was big news. Jerusalem had become the center of attention, not just because of Passover, but because of what had happened during this Passover week. And so everybody's talking about it as they're walking and journeying back to their everyday lives. And so people along the road talking about what had happened in Jerusalem, talking about their Passover, how they got to catch up with family or friends that they had met in Jerusalem, talking about, you know, the work that they have to go to as they return back home and all of that, and they're journeying along. But these two disciples probably aren't even recognizing the crowds. They're lost in their grief. They're lost in their grief. And then there comes this annoying lone traveler that comes up beside them and says, hey, what are you guys talking about? What are you guys talking about? What do you mean what are we talking about? What's everybody talking about? And so they travel together, and you know the annoying guy says, I don't know what you're talking about. Tell me, what's going on? And they tell him the whole story of Passover week and people all there, and then the leaders of, of the Hebrew people handing over someone they had hoped, they just had hoped, would bring this sense of, of redemption and reconciliation and, and power and strength, and their hopes have been dashed. You know what it is to have your hopes dashed on the journey of life? Everything that you had dreamed about just gone? 
And so they're walking along in their grief and and then this stranger that's come along begins to say, well, maybe it's like this if you look at the scriptures this way. And the next thing you know, they're walking along having a Bible study. And a Bible study is going on. They're walking through the scriptures and, and all that's, that's happening. And then they, they get to the location where they're going to, to stop and where they're going to be. And, and they feel something kind of moving in their gut, right? Something's happening. You know, we really don't want this to be over. Because there's something about it that feels kind of familiar, right? There's something about this that, 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 that's, that's bringing us a sense of, of comfort. So, so stay with us a little longer. Stay with us. Let's, let's have a meal together. Let's, let's talk a little more. So they, they urge Jesus. So they invite the stranger, the J- Jesus. They invite him to come. They're going to host him because they want to talk some more. But when they go in, Jesus takes over the lead of the meal. He becomes the host. He takes his seat. He is the one who grabs the bread and says the blessing like he was the host, like he was the one conducting the meal, like he was the one that invited them. But they invited him. And then he broke the bread. And they recognized him. I wonder how many times they had walked with Jesus and heard the scriptures talked about. How common and ordinary and customary had it been for disciples who followed Jesus to walk with him and hear about the scriptures and about the prophets? How many times had he sat at a table and broken the bread and handed it to him? They, they saw it on the, uh, on the feeding when Jesus blessed and broke the bread and all of a sudden thousands of people eat. In fact, the last time they saw Jesus, the last time they were with him in his presence, was at the Last Supper. And what did he do at the Last Supper? He blessed the bread. He broke it, and he gave it to them to eat. This is common. This is ordinary. This is what they've done all the time. And in their everyday experiences with Jesus, walking and talking and breaking bread and sharing the meal, in the everyday, that's where they experience Jesus. In the repetition and rhythms of life that we know so well, what becomes common to us, is the places where Jesus moves in the most ordinary of actions. As we go through this journey of life, Jesus is revealed in the most ordinary and common things, things that we thought we knew. I've shared with you all before, uh, um, you know, that I love the theater and I've been around the theater. And so when I became a a youth minister, the... uh, before I was a pastor, I was a, I was a youth minister, youth pastor. Of course, the church hired me because they had a, you know, a very theatric youth group. They had you know, ministries in that area, and so they wanted me to, to help do those things as a youth minister. And one of the things that they had, they had different teams of youth. I mean, this is a big youth group. This youth group was bigger than the first church I served. It was a huge youth group. And so they had this different teams that did different things, and there was this team that was the puppet team, and they put on puppet shows. And uh, so I was going to help them with their puppets. Now, we're not talking about little sock puppets that you make in a vacation Bible school craft, you know, where you stick the eyes on a sock or something. No, we're talking about puppets that cost hundreds of dollars, that take care. You know, they're, they're like these Muppet kind of things. Many of the puppets took two people to manipulate. 
one person to hold the weight of the puppet and to move the mouth, and the other person would put on the clothing and the sleeves and the gloves and be the hands of the puppet. And so, you know, teenagers love being that close to each other, you know, and, and, and doing that puppet work. And so it was just this wonderful puppet team. But they also had a choir team. They also had a musical group uh, in, in, that, that sang and rehearsed every week. And so Rafe in his theatrical idea says, well, we're going to put on a show and we're going to bring the two teams together and we're going to do a musical with puppets and the choir. And they're all gonna, the choir's going to sing all of the songs. The puppet team's going to be the actions and do all the activity. And we did it. We, I found the musical. We began to work on it. They recorded all of the uh, lines and the script for the, uh, for the puppet actors. And we began to rehearse that. And the puppeteers, they, not only did they have to rehearse, they had to work out. Because to hold up a puppet for, you know, it takes strength. And so we had exercises, and of course, when you sing, you got to work out right. Singing is work, you know. You got to get that diaphragm. So we had, we had like gym going on in there, you know. All these teenagers getting strong, and we rehearsed the show over and over again. We did it in our area and different churches, and we went different places doing the show. Man, I knew this show like the back of my hand. It was so common for us. And then we decided we're going to take this show on the road. We did a tour. I kid you not, we, we booked a tour. We went to a number of different churches in Georgia and Florida doing this, uh, doing this production. Now, to go on this tour, to do all this, we got on the church school bus. And the night before we left on this tour that was going to be in excess of 1,500 miles, the other bus driver had a family emergency and couldn't go, and I was the only person left with the right driver's license to drive the bus. So I was going to be driving the bus the entire tour and being the youth minister, keeping everybody safe and the director of the production. Now, I had other folks that were directing choirs and, and puppets and other parents that were supporting. And so we had the bus and we had a van that followed behind the bus. So we go on the tour. Things go well. Things go very well. Every church loves us. We get great response from folks. But we're doing the same show over and over and over again. Folks, when you rehearse something for months, and then you do it over and over and over again, you get pretty used to it. You know, and all of a sudden, it's like you barely hear it anymore out there. We finally did the last production, um, stayed with folks in the church. Everybody came back together the next morning, and we're getting ready, getting everything loaded into the bus to make our final trip to get back home, and the bus doesn't start. The bus doesn't start. Fortunately, church had a mechanic, came and said, you have a problem with the starter, Jumped it, got it started. He says, it may or may not start again for you as you go home, but, you know, if it doesn't start, you just need to, you need to jump it, or, you know, it is a clutch bus. You can push it, and it will get, you can pop the clutch, and it will go. <laughs> so, so we start driving home, made a phone call. We're going to be a little late. We got a late start, so I uh, told the folks back home. And so we go going down the road. The, uh, of course, a bunch of teenagers, 40-some teenagers in a bus, they need to go to the bathroom. We stop at a rest area. Bus won't start. <laughs> bus won't start. But those boys in the, had heard that you can push start a bus. So they pushed the bus all the way to the back end of a, of a rest area and then pushed as hard as they could to get up to speed while Rafe is in there hitting the clutch and the thing. And it started. And we got going, and we're going down the road. And we're going down the road, and then there's the boom underneath the bus. <coughs> And a, a little explosion, not underneath the engine, you know, back underneath like the middle part of the bus towards the back, some casing around something had, 
had just gotten old and busted open, but it's threw dust and stuff all over the, the road, and now we're hearing a clink, 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 <laughs> as we're going along. So race slows down, you know, so we hear less of the clinking, and, uh, you know, now it's like we're slowing down. It's taking forever. We're not going to get home. Everybody's going to be hungry, and now we're out of gas, and we've got to <laughs> stop again and turn off the engine. Uh, Rafe's like, it, I can't think these teenagers are going to keep starting, push starting the bus. So we found gas on the top of a hill. We loaded it with gas, <laughs> gave a little push off of the hill, went down the road on the hill. Rafe, they got one chance, you know, got one chance. And we got it going again. We got it going again. Okay, I've been driving for over 1,500 miles, listening to the same production over and over and over again for months. And now this few-hour trip is turned into a day-long adventure. The sun has gone down. It is dark. I'm hearing a clanking under the bus. I'm exhausted after more than 10 days away from my home, and we're trying to get back. And lo and behold, in the back of the bus, these teenagers start to do the show. Without their puppets, without their accompaniment, without their soundtracks, without anything, just them sharing the story. They sang their songs a cappella, duets and solos and everything. They didn't miss a word. They didn't miss a note. They just kept going. And every once in a while, one of the young ladies came up and whispered in my ear, Pastor Rafe, you okay? You all right? You got this. Thank you for getting us home. You got this. She ended up being a pastor. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you got this. And the show's still going on. I'm hearing it. Finally, it struck me that I was the only audience for this show. I was getting a private performance. It's just me and Jesus there hearing the story again, a story that I heard over and over and over again. It had become so common to me. But again, I heard the message of hope and love and its power to reconcile and bring people together. That's what the play was about, families reconciling that have been broken apart over years. And I felt the presence and the power of Jesus Christ. Jesus was known to me in the breaking of the bread, in the play, in the production that I knew oh so well. I felt the power of Jesus. They finished the production with the final crescendo of their a cappella tune as we came off the off-wrap off the highway just a few miles from the church we were trying to get to, our home. And the youth, one of the youth yelled out from the back, Rafe got us this far, we'll take it from here. And they all stuck their arms out the windows and started to fly the bus <laughs> over. But I felt the power of Jesus and the presence of Jesus in the private performance of a play that I had memorized. It was common. It was ordinary. It was as ordinary as taking dinner and sharing the bread. Jesus goes with us on our life journeys. Jesus goes with <laughs> us in the dark times and the joyous times. Jesus goes with us in our, in our broken times and our hurting times. Jesus goes with us in our, in our fatigue and in our strength. And Jesus is revealed and known to us in the most common and ordinary 
and everyday kind of experiences. Jesus is there. And the only response we can have is like those two disciples. They immediately got up and had to go tell somebody their story. They had to go tell somebody that they had experienced the risen Christ. Where are the ordinary experiences of your life where you, where you come to know the revelation of Christ? What story do you have to tell that becomes like a fire in your gut and you can't hold it back? It's got to be told because Jesus has been experienced. And Jesus is experienced in the everyday, ordinary activities that we go about. Amen. amen and amen. Most gracious God, we thank you that you are present in the grand miracles of life and in the beautiful times of worship that we share together and in our retreats. But Lord, we are most grateful that you are present where we most need you in our everyday in our journeys, in our journeys through this, this life and this world that have ups and downs and bends and turns that we never expect, but you go with us each step. Lord, we are grateful for that abiding presence. Lord, may you be revealed to us today in experiences as ordinary as sharing a meal together. Amen. Amen. Let us respond to God's word with our, our prayers and our song, Savior, like a shepherd, lead us.
Go now with the blessing and the assurance that the loving God has sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to walk with you on your everyday, common, ordinary, daily activities of this journey we call life. Amen. Amen. Amen.